This summer, it's been a joy to go through the book of Isaiah together. It's one of the longest books in the Bible, 66 chapters. Such an important book in getting to know Jesus better. If you're just joining us in this series, Isaiah chapters 1 through 39, the holiness of God is evident. Isaiah chapters 40 through 66, the comfort of God. And right now, we're in this section, Isaiah 49 to 55, the suffering servant. It's Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see that Jesus sacrifices. When we take a close look at who Jesus is and what he's done for us, our appreciation grows, our lives are changed. As we read the Bible today, let's draw close to Jesus. Let's pray right now to our God. Father, we praise you and thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your sacrifice, your care, your kindness. Lord, we want to receive these gifts from you, receive your presence in our lives, and we pray for your healing, your encouragement, your power as we rely on you together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's start today with a visual. I brought along two pieces right here that you probably recognize. I was having a conversation with my friend Michael, and we were talking about onions and oranges. Now, this relates to Isaiah chapter 53. I think it might help you. It's helped me process what's happening in our lives right now. And first we have onions. And with an onion, there's a lot of tears. I know I cry when the onion opens up. Anyone else crying because of the onion? Well, someone told me today in staff that if you put an onion in a refrigerator, before you do that, you won't cry as much. So you can test that out this week. But with an onion, there's a lot of layers. And right now, there's a lot of layers to pain, to disappointment. And with those layers, there's tears as well. No one wants to eat an onion. That's not exciting to say, oh yeah, I think I'll have an onion. But as part of life and that suffering and even those sacrifices and the tears, we think of an onion. And then there's the orange. The orange has a shell. It's protective. And God protects. In the middle of everything we're going through, his goodness is strong. And when you taste an orange, you think of taste and see that the Lord is good. There's also seeds in an orange, and that's multiplication. More orange trees, more oranges, and all this potential. And these two go together. It's important we don't stuff our feelings and our pain because we'll get stuck in life. But we do. We grieve, but we also have great hope. And with that orange, the goodness of the Lord, it's important to draw close to him and taste the goodness of the Lord during times like this. In Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to see a sacrifice and we're going to see that it's redemptive. And as you process your life right now and what's going on, let's keep having conversations. Let's be transparent. Let's talk about the onion and the orange and let's draw near to God together. Isaiah chapter 53, Jesus sacrifices. Now, in the Bible, sacrifice can refer to many different things. In our relationship with God is a tie between sacrifice and worship. We offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that proclaim the name of Jesus. 
We sing and we worship God. In Romans 12, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice in worship. It's not just a song. It's a lifestyle. And we make a sacrifice as we offer ourselves trusting God fully. Worship and sacrifice go together. Also, sacrifice can mean giving something up. When you sacrifice, you give something up that might be smaller Like if you give someone $50, that might feel like a sacrifice, but it's not as big as a sacrifice as if you gave someone everything you own and all your money. And some sacrifices we feel like, oh, that's doable. And then there's a spectrum and a range. And for some of them, we know this is massive and it kind of hurts to give it up. But in the Bible, we see that sacrifice can be redemptive. And in our lives, we give something up to help someone else. We see this in the medical world. We see this in the military. We see it with parenting. It's par for the course with parenting that we will make many sacrifices. Why? For the blessing and it's beneficial for our children. And out of love, we make sacrifices. And the greatest sacrifice ever is in that context, you think of parenting. Father gave up his son as a sacrifice. Isaiah chapter 53 points to Father God giving up his son Jesus Christ to be killed, crucified, murdered, and this is the greatest love and the greatest sacrifice we ever have seen, will ever experience, or will ever know. But it inspires us to live a life of unselfish sacrifice so that others will be helped. Today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 53. We want to take in more of the fullness of who Jesus is and the sacrifice that he's made for us. We're going to look at four essential elements of this sacrifice. And again, the goal is to draw close to Jesus. Through these different aspects of his sacrifice, let's grow in our relationship, that personal relationship with the Lord. I want to highlight as we start that sacrifice is part of glorifying God. Let me say that again because it's often a hidden element. Sacrifice is part of glorifying God. Sometimes we compartmentalize and we think only our talents and using our talents, that's glorifying God. And that is glorifying God, but also sacrifice is part of the complete picture of glorifying God. And the more you realize the fullness of Jesus' sacrifice, the more you want to glorify God with your own life. Here are the four aspects of the sacrifice of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, we're going to start in verse 1. And the first aspect is that the sacrifice is painful. Let's say it how it is. The sacrifice is painful. We read in verse 1, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. We read that Jesus was rejected, overlooked, and despised. There's pain when you're rejected. There's pain when you're overlooked and there's pain when you're despised. He was rejected, which means people didn't believe him. Check out John chapter 12. 
Why? It's referring back to Isaiah chapter 53. The Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 books, one book in the Bible, they're all connected. And Isaiah is quoted again and again in the New Testament. John chapter 12, we read, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That was Isaiah 53, 1. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. There's a lot of people who are secret believers in Jesus Christ, but there's going to be persecution. It's many countries in the world. That was the situation then. But overall, even though people saw the miracles and they heard him and saw Jesus, they still rejected him, and he's been rejected in every generation. At the same time, there are those who will put their trust in him, and he has a remnant. And even when people reject him, he's still the Savior. He's still the Messiah. He's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the facts are still the facts. He's risen from the dead. Doesn't change it, but rejection hurts. Also, Jesus was overlooked. We read in this passage that he was not attractive. Isn't it interesting how obsessed our culture is with attraction? Is someone attractive? And if someone's attractive, you know, studies show that people respond to them differently if they're perceived to be physically attractive. And if there's physical attraction or someone's seen as beautiful, then there's often admiration, that person's seen as important. People are treated differently based on their physical appearance. Well, with Jesus' physical appearance, he wasn't fine looking. He didn't look like royalty. He looked very average. And people overlooked him. They didn't realize who he was. And then it also says that this large plant grew out of dry ground. Jesus had humble beginnings, born in a manger. He had humble beginnings. He was a carpenter. And even the environment spiritually, out of a dry environment spiritually, God raised up the Messiah. If you're in a dry environment spiritually, maybe in the sound or even in your own family, if the people around you have unbelief, God can still do amazing things and still uh, so much fruit in your life as you follow Jesus and abide with him. Jesus was rejected, overlooked, and despised. In other words, people didn't esteem him, and they mistreated him. He's a man of sorrows. Take that in, a man of sorrows. He's well acquainted with sorrows. When we hurt, Jesus knows what it's like to be in pain. In this word sorrows, it meant both the physical anguish, but also the mental anguish that he would go through and how people uh, were so cruel to him. Maybe people have been cruel to you, and maybe you've been on the receiving end like Jesus, and you know that pain. The sacrifice was painful, and sacrifices are painful on all levels, in all contexts. I want to give an example from something that happened in the sports world. I know there's not a lot of sports happening right now, so we're going to go to golf. And this is the end of a tournament. And there's an 18th hole. If you don't play golf, that's the last hole. It's a tie. And this is a one-on-one -on -one tournament. It's not a group tournament, but a one-on-one -on -one tournament that just happened. And Segundo is the competitor. He's the golfer. Brant is the caddy. And Segundo was on the receiving end of something Brant did. Now, Brant was assigned to Segundo, so really they didn't know each other before this. And as they, coming up to the last hole, the 18th hole in a tie match, Brant makes a mistake. And you can see the picture here. The Segundo, Brant, they're in the competition. And 
Brant is going to reach down and touch the sand in the bunker. In golf, you're not allowed to do this as a caddy because it would be an unfair advantage if caddies were touching the sand, checking the thickness of the sand, you know, getting a read on things. You're not allowed to do it. And the cameras caught him reaching down. Brant touched the sand, and there was a penalty with that. And because of that penalty, now Segundo lost the match. The tournament's over. And this is what Segundo said. He called Brant, and Brant was in tears. And uh, Brant felt so bad about what happened. And Segundo acknowledges this in his own heart. This is the onion right here. He says, I wanted to win. I felt like I was playing well. I felt like there was a good chance, but I guess I will never know. Segundo is grieving that his tournament was taken away because of rule breaking that Brant did on his behalf. And so that's credited to Segundo's account that pain and that hurt is upon him and he's out of the tournament. He's disqualified. He took it. And whenever there's sin, there's someone that suffers because of that sin and through that sin. But this is the orange side of things. Uh, Segundo called Brandt and said, I told him, if I can forgive him, everyone can forgive him. So I felt bad with a social burden on Brandt with everyone posting on Twitter and Instagram. That's a reminder on social media. When you make hurtful comments, uh, it can be so destructive. Just be careful what you say. Honor the Lord with what you post on social media. And Brant was feeling the weight of everyone's comments. And yet, Segundo called him up, encouraged him, said, I forgive you, and also said there's always something positive about the negative. That's the grace of God in the middle of the sacrifice. It hurts Segundo. That sacrifice, he didn't even sign up for that sacrifice. He just received it, and it hurts. But at the same time, God's grace was extended. Uh, pardon the golf pun, but Segundo stayed the course. And when you think about Jesus, and you think about the course that God had marked out for him, that road of suffering, the Bible says Jesus set his face like flint, and he continued to go to Jerusalem knowing that he would die on a cross, that he would suffer immensely, that he would literally become sin, that the Father would forsake him. The pain levels just kept going higher and higher and higher. And in our lives, Sometimes the pain levels keep going higher and higher and higher. But Jesus set his face, and even though it was painful, he stayed faithful in the middle of the pain, as painful as life gets right now. Stay faithful. Just continue to honor God and love people. And just like Jesus, walk through the pain, trusting the Father. Maybe you're in a painful time right now in life, and, and maybe in the middle of the pain, you just need to tell God. You can tell him right now, God, I'm going to continue to trust you in the pain. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk for you, but I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to set my face, and I'm going to continue to move forward with you, God, with your help, even in the middle of the pain. That's what Jesus did in the sacrifice again and again and again, drawing close to the Father, abiding and walking through sacrifice that included pain. Sacrifice includes pain. But then here's the second aspect of Jesus' sacrifice. The sacrifice is necessary. It's painful and it's necessary. In Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 4, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now when you're reading this, and by the way, for hundreds of years after this, People read this passage and were trying to figure out the meaning because Isaiah wrote about 700 years before Christ. Uh, Jesus is Jewish and many Jewish people were trying to figure out what is the meaning of the suffering servant. I've shared this passage with my relatives. I have a lot of Jewish relatives you know, in my family, many Jews, and I've shared this passage because it so clearly points to Jesus and the Messiah. And many people who are Jewish have come to know the Lord. They realize Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is the Messiah. It says it in the New Testament again and again. He's a fulfillment of this prophecy. And many people who are born Jewish, their eyes are opened that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and Savior. And that's exciting news. This is a powerful passage that draws many people to Jesus. And with this reading right here, what did we just read? I mean, when you read our transgressions, all right, it was our iniquities, not his. In other words, he's sacrificing not for his own sin, but he's sacrificing for our sin. And as a reader, you're drawn into that. And how does my story connect with Jesus' story? And how is my story laid out right here in Isaiah chapter 53? That's the connection. It says that Jesus took on the punishment. Jesus was pierced. Jesus was crushed. But then what did we receive? Our guilt is gone. We are forgiven. We receive healing. We receive peace with God. And this is the transaction and the exchange that is the gospel. Jesus died in our place for our sins. It's laid out here, and there's strength in the sacrifice. Jesus is strong as he's murdered. His will, his determination, his faithfulness, his love is strong. There's strength in the sacrifice. God gives you strength so that you make sacrifices to bless other people. Now, what about the part where it says we all have gone astray? Isn't it interesting how many people want to deny that sin exists, that sin's a big deal, or they've ever sinned? We've all, all, 100% fallen short of the glory of God. We've all gone astray. We've all sinned. I've watched, there's a man named Ray Comfort, uh, and he's from Australia, and he'll approach people who are in denial, and he'll talk about sin. He's bold. He's very forthright. And people just say, no, that's not me. I'm good. Like, sin? Don't think so. And Ray will pull out the Ten Commandments and say, well, have you ever told a lie? And you see the look on the people's face like, yeah, I have. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah, I have. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Well, yeah. Have you ever had lust in your heart towards someone? Yeah, I have. And he's like, you've broken all the Ten Commandments. Like, you need God's grace. I need God's grace. We need a Savior. We need a remedy for our sin. We need forgiveness. And the breaking of the law in the Bible drives us to Jesus because we realize how much we need him. We realize there's grace and forgiveness to cover all of our sins because we all go astray and we all need Jesus. And that's the truth laid out in Isaiah chapter 53. What's interesting chronologically is we know so much more about Jesus now than they did during the time of Isaiah. We see now and we read, we read not only his death, but his resurrection, his teaching, his miracles, 
And we have the Holy Spirit in us. If you put your trust in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. We have so much that God's given to us now. But if we're honest, we still go astray, don't we? We still wander. We still need Jesus every day. And that points us to abiding with the Lord. Sin in his essence is rebellion. It's basically saying, God, not your way, I'm going my way. Sometimes we fool ourselves. We say, yeah, because my way is better than your way, God. But deep down we know, yeah, my way is probably not better than your way, God. So we say, well, I'm going to go my way because other people are going that way. And I'm going to go with the people I'm hanging out with and we're going that way. That doesn't make it right. And then sometimes we just have to be honest and say, God, I'm just going this way. I know it's not better. I know it's not right, but I just want to. And so there I go. And intentionally, unintentionally, we wander and we drift away from God. And it hurts that relationship with God. And that's the essence of sin. But there is a remedy. And as you read the Bible from cover to cover, you see in the Old Testament, there's a sacrificial system. And animals were sacrificed. There was a day of atonement. When we talk with the word scapegoat, this goes back to the book of Leviticus. And there were two goats, day of atonement. One of the goats was slain. The other one All the guilt was put on that goat's head. That goat was then removed and taken away, kind of despised, sent out. And the scapegoat is a picture, again, of the sacrifice, the symbolic sacrifice that was insufficient because no goat could ever cover our sins, but also foreshadowing, pointing to the Lamb of God who does take away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And so there was a sacrificial religious system that was insufficient, but directly pointing to Jesus Christ that, yes, there will come a time when God will send his Son, fully human to represent us, perfect without sin, fully God to overcome death, pointing to the one sacrifice for all time, for all people, for anyone who needs forgiveness. Jesus has paid the price And the sacrifice that's been paid for sinners like us, it's humbling, but at the same time, life is given through the sacrifice. And propitiation is a theological word. The holy and righteous wrath of God is satisfied. The righteous requirements for justice are are satisfied with our Heavenly Father. And You know, there's uh, a lot of people are going to come up with different ideas of how God forgives. Well, with a perfectly holy God who is also just, the punishment for sin is death and separation from God. And we need a substitute. We need a Savior. When we say Jesus died for you, it means he died in your place. Substitutionary atonement. He died so you could be at one with God, justified, forgiven. He died in your place. And also, it's a gift for you. It's both. Uh, It's a gift, but also a substitute role where he died in your place. And this is laid out in Isaiah 53. This is the gospel. It's why Isaiah is called the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the New Testament, Isaiah in the Old Testament. I want to be as clear as I can. Our salvation comes through Jesus' wounds, his scars, and his blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. It was completely necessary that Jesus died in our place. If it was not necessarily, it's unimaginably cruel that the father would have his son killed when it was not necessary 
but it's completely necessary. Our sins are either still on us or they're on Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus, they shift from on you to on him, and then you receive his righteousness, forgiveness, and there's so much joy. There's so much joy. But that's why we take communion. We're going to take communion today as well. Why? We remember the sacrifice, the significance of the sacrifice, and it really is the great love of the Lord that we receive and we celebrate. Hebrews in the New Testament Chapter 9, verse 27, lays out the truth like this. Just as people are destined to die once, all right, we're going to physically die once, all of us, and after that, face judgment. We come before God. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus will return, and it won't be in a manger, and it's not going to be Jesus riding on a donkey. That, that was his first coming, and the Savior's first coming was one of sacrifice. But when he comes in glory and he returns, he's going to come with that salvation, and if you put your trust in Jesus, you know that eternally you are secure and that he's faithful. He's faithful in the pain. He's faithful because the sacrifice was necessary and he's going to be faithful to return. This is a faithful savior in Isaiah chapter 53. We're taking in the fullness of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's painful. It's necessary. It's also loving. Now, this is where the orange comes in a little more in Isaiah chapter 53. Let's take a look at verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of many people he was stricken. And he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Love includes sacrifice. Love includes sacrifice. Why was Jesus silent? You know, Jesus could have outsmarted people. He could have defended himself. He could have called down angels he could have just said dead and everyone that wanted to kill him would just, their lives would be over. He could have done so many things. Why was he silent? Because of love, he was willing. Love is the motive and because of love, he was willing to sacrifice. It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of a lot of values in the world. And then Jesus had an unfair trial. No one has ever had a greater injustice no one's been mistreated more than Jesus. And if you're walking through and you've had a life full of injustice, uh, Jesus can relate. Jesus will empower you. Jesus heals. Jesus comforts. Jesus will guide you through that injustice because he knows injustice and he knows how to overcome. Trust Jesus when you're mistreated and when you see injustice. Continue to follow him through that. Also, in Jesus' death, it says he had no children at that time in that culture. That was seen as a tragedy if you died without children. Jesus had no honor. He was next to criminals. And the irony is the purpose of our lives is to honor the Lord, and yet he didn't have honor. And then he was buried, and it was Joseph of Arimathea that actually took Jesus, because he didn't have a tomb, and brought him into his own tomb. And it was like, here, Jesus, take mine. Take mine. Joseph of Arimathea 
was looking out for the Lord in that burial. But you think this is how the Son of God, this is how the Savior of the world dies? And again, his love is what motivates and his love will not fail. And ultimately, God is glorified and it's also for our good. Love on display and because of this great love, we are drawn to Jesus. The sacrifice and this love draw us to the Savior. There's no love like this love. No love as powerful, as great, as fulfilling, as satisfying as this relationship with Jesus and the love he brings. I believe we need the love of Jesus right now so much in our land. When I think about COVID, there's about 170,000 people who have died in America. Uh, someone shared with me this week that they just lost their friend, died because of COVID. We have people in our church who have COVID right now. Pray for them. We're in an intense time of this crisis going through this pandemic together. We need the love of the Lord in our own hearts and in our relationships with each other. And so there's COVID, but then there's something else. It's not just the disease, but there's all the surrounding circumstances related to the disease. Here's a picture from Auburn, and if you live in Auburn, you've been through Auburn a lot, you're going to recognize there's our crow. That's right. Auburn was looking for something unique, and I think we achieved our goal. This crow, 18 feet wide, 12 feet high, and there's some french fries next to the crow because it's built right where there used to be a drive-in with barbecue, uh, fries, uh, burgers. And to commemorate that location, we now have a crow. It's like, do you want some fries with that crow? Yes, we got fries with that crow. And look, the crow now has a mask. That's what caught my attention. Again, we have COVID, and then we have everything surrounded COVID. And we've got a lot of different opinions, don't we, about masks? And when should we wear one? And do we need one? And, and, and what's the importance? And who is it for? And does it work scientifically? And isn't it interesting that just this topic of masks alone, there's so much division. And sometimes relationships, there's a lot of destruction just on masks conversations. And the body of Christ, you know, united in Jesus. Well, there's division over masks. And so here's another pun. But there's COVID and then I'm saying there's Crovid. And what, that's bad. That's really bad. What do we mean, Crovid? Crovid is my word for everything surrounding COVID that has to do with our lifestyles that we're trying to decide right now. And yeah, oh, by the way, there's some stoneheads around this crow that also have masks. And you see, more people are trying to decide do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Do we need them? I don't know if someone was playful. I don't know what they were doing in Auburn, but there's masks all over our crow and then these stoneheads. And when I think of Crovid right now, some people are being consumed with COVID. If you're consumed with COVID, that's a misplaced passion. It should not be our top focus. If you're consumed right now with COVID and anything related to COVID, that again is misplaced. Why? Because if our focus is on COVID, what's going to shrink is the love of God. And what we need right now is the love of God. We need it desperately. We need to connect when we, you know, are handing out food and the video kind of told some of the story, but just coming up alongside people and when the food was put into cars and you could see with a mask on and the tears would flow and just words of I love you and the connection that was happening in so many, over 500 families. What was powerful is the love, love given, love received, both ways, given, received. 
And that's what we're made for. That's what we're made for. That's what we need right now. Jesus gives us love. He fills our hearts with his love that's evident through his sacrifice. And then we connect with each other. We give and receive love. We make sacrifices for each other. And healing comes. And unity comes. Don't let COVID or COVID take you away from the love of the Lord that he wants to bring in relationships as you love your neighbor, as you love people like you love yourself. And that's God's design. That's his blueprint for relationships. God gives us love. We enjoy it with each other. And uh, overall, the greatest of these is love. The Bible says, faith is good, hope is good, but the greatest of these is love. And the same love in Isaiah 53 is the same love we see in the book of Acts. Here's Philip in an Ethiopian man. And the Ethiopian man is just discovering the Bible, just starting to read the Bible. He's reading Isaiah chapter 53, trying to figure it out. And Philip comes over to him. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 53, and you can share Isaiah chapter 53 with people now. You can share this video. You can send them uh, just a link with Isaiah 53. And beginning with that very passage, he told them the good news about Jesus. Isaiah 53 points to Jesus. And then as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? If you have put your trust in Jesus, you haven't been baptized yet, let us know on the connecting card. Send a comment. Uh, we're gathering now. More people want to be baptized. We're thinking about how we can do a baptism. It's the way to celebrate your relationship with Jesus. And that's what happened. This Ethiopian man read Isaiah 53. Philip, they had a conversation. His eyes are open. He sees the Savior. He wants to get baptized, follow Jesus. The gospel goes to Africa. Why do I say this? In Isaiah's time, Isaiah chapter 53. Early church, Isaiah chapter 53. Today, God's sacrifice. Eyes are opened. Love received. We see the Savior. It's the same love from Jesus. It is a faithful love that endures pain, knows the sacrifice is necessary, but love never fails. And Jesus doesn't fail. And his love continues generation to generation to generation. There's one final aspect, and the sacrifice is victorious. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he has poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The sacrifice is victorious. Here's the orange. Here's the upside of the sacrifice talking about his offspring. Okay, he didn't have any physical children right there when he died, but his offspring, we are in his family forever. We are his sons and daughters. And his family is people from all nations and tribes, his offspring. And then we also read prolonging his days. It looked like his days were finished, but it wasn't over. Death couldn't hold Jesus. Jesus is victorious over death. That enemy of our souls Jesus reigns and 
Anyone who puts their trust in him has eternal life, risen from the dead in resurrected bodies. And then we read that Jesus didn't run out with nothing. No, he continues to provide. There's an abundance with Jesus. And then there's an inheritance and there's salvation and there's rescues. And ultimately, he took the lowest place and then he's raised, exalted, and his name is above every name. It's the victory that came through the sacrifice. There's no other name like the name of Jesus, and we worship him. That's what our church is all about. That's what our lives are all about. When we are centered on Jesus, things are right. They're good. There's fruit. And uh, that closeness with the Lord, there's nothing better. I truly believe that. There's nothing better in life, and we're going to enjoy that for eternity. All this was accomplished through the sacrifice. Jesus died so you can live. Jesus died so you can have abundant life. And Jesus is alive. He's not still dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is alive so that you're not defeated. So you're not defeated right now. So you don't have despair right now. Jesus died so we live, and he lives right now so that that life that we have, his life runs through us. And that is gonna include some sacrifices. Why? Because just as we started, Sacrifice is part of glorifying God. I want to encourage you. Maybe it's in the realm of parenting. You're making a lot of sacrifices. Maybe it's in the realm of community and community service. Maybe it's here at the church. You're making a lot of sacrifices. Out of love, you're giving something up so that it'll help someone else. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray, to continue to sing, to continue to help, to continue to serve, to continue to give. Wherever God leads you to do those things, do them with all your heart. It's going to include sacrifice to glorify the Lord. It's going to include sacrifice to heal our land. It's going to include sacrifice for there to be reconciliation, racial reconciliation. It's going to be sacrifice that's going to be needed in unselfishness to lift up people right now who don't have resources, don't have a voice. And it's going to take sacrifice to spread the good news of Jesus around the sound and around the nations. When we look at the sacrifice of Jesus, there is a just an upwelling of appreciation. And there's also a calling that we're inspired that we want to sacrifice in a redemptive way to bring life to other people. And that's what Jesus does. Uh, When you sacrifice, it's going to be painful. It is. It just is. When you sacrifice, you're going to realize the sacrifice is necessary. When you sacrifice, Sometimes you're going to be mistreated, sometimes misunderstood, but you know what? You check your motives in walking with God and the motive is love and you realize that the sacrifice is the most loving thing you can do. And when you stay the course and you set your face and you continue to honor Father God, you're going to see the victories through that sacrifice. And be encouraged as you sacrifice to stay close with Jesus because he'll give you everything you need to keep going. Let Jesus be your strength. And let his sacrifice be your inspiration. Uh, We're going to take communion together. And uh, as we think about worship and sacrifice, I believe sacrifice also comes with revival. Romans 12, we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. When we worship God with our lives, God pours out his spirit and there's revival. And so how do we get in that position? Well, we're responding to how Jesus first loved us and first sacrificed for us. 
And I believe revival will come when we worship. Revival will come when we offer ourselves in a spiritual act of worship as sacrifices unto the Lord. And then I believe God will write a beautiful story. There's beauty in the sacrifice. There's love in the sacrifice. There's goodness in the sacrifice. And this points us to Jesus and it directs us to communion. I want to pray right now. And uh, specifically, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, may this be the day. Just make it so clear. This is the day. Communion is a celebration for anyone who's put their trust in Jesus. And may this be the time right now where you say, I want to make a clear decision to follow Jesus. And it's by his grace. It's not earned. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing about the goodness of God. And as we do that, you can also go and gather the elements. Cracker juice in your house. If you have it right now, gather it because Pastor Rick is going to lead us in communion. Let's pray together. Father God, we see your goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much. We know that we go astray. We know that we wander. We know that we're not worthy. And yet you love us and you're faithful and you're patient and you're kind. And as we read Isaiah 53, Jesus, we're reminded of the fullness of your sacrifice and your love for us. And Lord, it moves us. It moves us. Your love moves us. Your sacrifice moves us. Your presence moves us. And it moves us towards you and we're drawn to you. And it moves our lives into love. God, move us now. Transform our hearts. And we thank you for everyone that's putting their trust in you for the first time today. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen.